0: Well, we want to begin this morning in the Old Testament, um, actually beginning in the third chapter of uh, the book of Exodus, which is the story of uh, Moses' encounter with the burning bush. So reading from chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go." I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Well, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And then we'll turn now to chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. And then turning to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, familiar story of the multiplying of the loaves. A great crowd had followed follow Jesus. They're out in the countryside. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, he... Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God gave Moses a really big job to do. God said, you know, Moses, I'm aware of what's going on down in Egypt. I'm aware of the suffering of my people. They are suffering under the whips of the slave drivers. And I intend to rescue my people. I'll take them out of that land of bondage, and I will lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to rescue them, Moses. And you know what? You're the man who's going to go to Pharaoh. You will lead the people out. Now, how did Moses respond to that challenge? Did he say, well, here I am, Lord. Send me. Was he honored by the privilege to serve God in this way? Was he excited about this task, this opportunity to serve the Lord? No, he hemmed and he hawed and whined, just like kids do when asked to do a chore. Who am I, Lord, that I should do this? I just don't have what it takes. I can't speak very well, and you know I have a stutter. Surely somebody more eloquent than me could go to Pharaoh and speak on your behalf. And even if I should speak on your behalf, Lord, what if they don't believe me? They'll reject me. And then what? Having received the Lord's assignment, Moses took quick inventory of his personal assets and resources and declared himself totally inadequate for the job. He pled personal poverty. No, Lord, you can't possibly want me. You know how I've failed in the past. You know I killed a guy. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the energy. Don't have the resources. Nope. Pick somebody else. But you know, you never really get away with saying, no, Lord. That doesn't work, you know. No, Lord. (laughs) God wouldn't take no for an answer. And so when... Moses was done whining. God asked Moses, What's that in your hand? And Moses looked and says, Well, it's it's, it's my staff. And God said, Well, then let's use it. Throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and lo and behold, became a snake. And Moses ran from it. And then God said, Okay, Moses, now pick up that snake by the tail. Now that was a test of faith. It would be for anybody, especially who hates snakes. Do we have some snake haters here in the ground? Spiders? <laughs> and to Moses' credit, he picked up the snake by the tail and it became a rod, the staff again. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. When God asks you to do something, God always provides the means for you to carry it out. God takes whatever it is that is in your hand, whatever resources you possess. In Moses' case, it was his staff, and he does miraculous things with it. The important thing is that we offer it to God, that, uh, the resources that we already have, believing that God can use them. But the one thing you and I must not do is whine and complain and fix our attention on our own personal inadequacy and poverty of assets. So that when faced with a big challenge, if you and I focus only on scarcity, on what we lack, we become fearful and self-centered people. We become paralyzed, unable to participate in God's mission. There is nothing quite so debilitating as believing you were always short of resources. During the the first few months of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln appointed General George McClellan to head up the Northern Armies. And General McClellan insisted that he needed more troops before he could go into battle, and so Lincoln recruited more troops And then McClellan said, well, before we can go into battle, we need more wagons. And Lincoln found him more wagons. And then McClellan said, well, now that we have more wagons, we need more horses. And so Lincoln found him more horses. And it went on and on, one thing after another. McClellan was busy marching his army everywhere but into battle. And Lincoln wanted the general to do something with what he already had. So finally, in a fit of frustration, President Lincoln wrote to his general saying, if you're not planning on using the army, may I borrow it? All McClellan did was whine about his inadequate resources. He operated out of a philosophy of scarcity and never got on mission. And Lincoln finally had to replace the guy. God must have thought of replacing His servant Moses more than once. He's guilty of whining on several occasions, actually. After the people of Israel came up out of Egypt, they were wandering around in the the wilderness, and the people began to complain about the lack of variety in their diet. Manna, day after day after day, that bread sticky like substance I mean they began to say you know when we were back in Egypt we had pigeons to eat we had rabbits to eat and now we're stuck with this manna and so the people began to complain and complain and complain and so the Lord said to Moses okay then They're not happy. Let's give them what they want. Give them meat. And Moses said, right. Come on, Lord. Even if we slaughtered all the goats, all the sheep, there would not be enough meat to feed over a half a million mouths. Just what do you have in mind, Lord? Even if we caught every fish in the ocean and we served it, it still wouldn't be enough to satisfy the hunger of these folks. We don't have enough to feed so many. And Moses, again, kind of threw up his hands in frustration. Can't do it. But the Lord's reply is instructive. Is the Lord's arm too short? Stand back and watch me make a lot from a little. And so they took what meat they had, offered it to the Lord, and he multiplied it and gave them plenty, just as he said. The story is told in uh, the book of Numbers chapter 11. And that Old Testament miracle story reminds you of another miracle told in the New Testament, the only miracle to make it into all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus looked out on the crowd, had compassion upon them. He knew that they were hungry. And so he asked his disciples to feed them. (laughs) To their utter puzzlement. I mean, okay, how are they going to feed them? I mean, 5,000 men, that's not including women and children. You know, what were they going to do? I mean, there was no super Walmart grocery store nearby. They only had so much money, not even, you know, uh, eight months' wages would provide enough bread for everybody to have just a little bite. They took quick inventory of their food, their financial resources, and found they were completely inadequate. Where in the world are we going to get food to eat? And I would imagine they began to whine a little bit Maybe not in the presence of the Lord, but they began to whine a little bit, and they thought it was crazy. It was ridiculous. Of course they didn't have enough. But I love the detail in the Gospel of John, who includes that story of that little boy who happened to have five dinner rolls and two smoked fish, and uh, I guess Andrew uh, saw that this boy had come bringing his lunch, and, you know, Andrew says, well, how... (laughs) He probably kind of laughed it off and said, how far is this going to go with so many? And you know the story how the Lord took that little boy's lunch and he multiplied it and he fed 5,000 people and more. But I've often thought about the generosity and faith of that little boy who must have been hungry too, but he offered it just the same. And it may not have been much, but he thought it could be useful. Perhaps in the Lord's hands, a little could become a lot. And I think it's kind of neat to think about that some mother had packed a lunch that day that would go down in history as the greatest dinner ever spread, the greatest feast ever put out. Even millions of unbelievers would hear about it later. And here, after all these years, we're discussing the potential wealth packed into a little boy's lunchbox. Five dinner rolls, two smoked fish, he offered it to Jesus and in Jesus hands he fed 5000 people with 12 baskets left over our lord looks out over a vast human need he's aware of people suffering he's aware of brokenness and pain he knows that there is many things there are many things that need to be done to advance his kingdom of love and he asks you and me who are called by his name he asks us what he basically what he asked Moses What's that in your hand? How many loaves do you have? What resources are at your disposal? What can you give me so that I can use it to feed empty stomachs and fill hungry hearts? What can you offer in ministry and in mission to others? And it may not seem like much, But in the Lord's hands, a small gift can go a long way. So this morning, our Lord is asking you and me to take personal inventory of our gifts, our abilities, our material, our spiritual resources, so they can be marshaled, mobilized to minister and to bless others. Our Lord is calling each one of us to mission. Each of us have a different part of that mission depending upon the particular passion that he's put in our hearts. But we are all missionaries. We're all to do his work here in the place where he has planted us. And he asks you and me to consider what we resources we already have. What is that in your hand? What can you give to the Lord? Do you have a particular ability or a talent to offer do you have financial resources you can contribute no matter how small it may seem to you? Can you offer the gift of your time? For those of you who are seniors, who are retired, that is probably the greatest gift any of you could give, is the gift of time, to use it in a way that, that makes a difference in the lives of others. Do you have the gifts of caring, gifts of hospitality, gifts of hospitality? And service. What can you and I offer the Lord so that we can minister more effectively to one another and to the world around us? But I got to say our tendency is to say with Moses and Philip, we don't have much, Lord. What are they given the need? Not much. And the tendency, we, the tendency would be to just kind of keep them to ourselves, to just not use them to bury them. And the tendency is almost always to overstate our poverty. Oh, woe is me, I don't have anything, there's nothing in my hand, really, except maybe this or that, but oh, that's not much. And this is a symptom that reveals our lack of faith. But if you and I can resist that attitude and willingly and joyfully and generously give of whatever it is that the Lord has put into our hands, God will honor us by taking those resources and doing miraculous things with them, magnifying, multiplying their impact, so that more people are blessed, more than we could ever know. Of course, as we take personal inventory and find creative uses for all of our resources, for doing God's work, accomplishing God's mission, we must not forget the most important resource of of all, the most important resource of all is God himself who accompanies us and who gives us the power. God says to us what he said to Moses. I will be with you. But Lord, I'm a nobody, I'm a loser. But I will be with you. But I can't speak, I, I stutter. I, 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 I will be with you. If God is true to his promise, how can we possibly ever plead poverty of resources? Is God a God of scarcity or is God a God of abundance? God is the God of 12 baskets left over, is he not? A God of superabundance. And yet we think so small. And think so little of what's in our hand. God gives us all the resources you and I need to carry out whatever it is that God wants us to do. Do we really believe that? So what is that that you and I have in our hand? What resources do we already possess that God could use to accomplish what needs to happen in our lives and in our church and in our community and world? Let's offer those resources to God and watch for God to perform a miracle. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you have called each one of us to the mission field, and that mission field is not necessarily across the ocean, it's not on the other side of the country, it uh, may very well be right in our family, right in our church, in our community, Uh, but whatever it is, whatever it is that you have put on our heart to do, Lord, we pray that we would be more aware that, um, that you go with us. And that if we offer those things, you will multiply their effect. Lord, help us to trust you with all those things that you've given to us. Truly, you are a God of abundance, not of scarcity. Lord, may we live that way. And therefore, live always in gratitude for all that you've given us and for all that you've done for us. Above all, through Jesus Christ, who meets our greatest needs, our deepest needs, our every need. Indeed, to you be all praise and glory. Amen.